Welcome to episode 71 of the Ask Achieve show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today we'll be discussing how to decrease hamstring activity and increase glute activity, which muscles you should feel during squats, whether to anterior or posteriorly tilt the hips during squats, and how to address a simultaneous weight loss plateau and strength decrease. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. Wow, that was a mouthful. I know. I had a, <laughs> a little bit of a hard time getting that one out there. Um, guys, some good questions. Yeah. So episode 71, um, this one, guys, we make a lot of sacrifices for you guys. You know, So right now, it's really hot out there. And we have shut off the AC. We do this every episode. We shut off the AC because it creates this sort of like ambient noise um, in the background. So we want to make the sound quality as high as possible. And Lauren, with her pregnant self right now, is overheating heating a little bit. But she was like, no, don't turn on the AC. And she's got an ice pack on her head right now. <laughs> she literally has an ice pack I on the top of her head. Totally it's, ridiculous. It's all about sacrifices. And, you know, she, she's trucking through for you guys and your sound quality. So just for, for your ears only. Yeah. And if you could see me, you would, uh, you'd be really impressed with this You would, this you would look. be pretty impraised. Impraised. Maybe impraised. Yeah. It's actually working really well, though. Yeah. I know. I, so when I was growing up doing gymnastics, we didn't have AC in the gymnasium that we worked out in, which mm-hmm. is crazy because in the summer, like, it would be, it felt like thousands of degrees in there. Like it was so hot and you're be like being extremely active. So I know all of the points that like help you cool down. So it's mm-hmm. like inside your wrist, inside your elbow, oh, behind yeah. your neck. Cause we would have to, we would take frozen peas and put them there for like, we would get like five minute breaks to go get some frozen peas and just cool ourselves down, <laughs> which is insane. I remember the first time you told me about, I, I literally never heard about these sort of like, I don't know, cooling points or whatever yeah. points um, that are a little bit more sensitive um and i was mind blown i know it was pretty it crazy really works. and uh yeah really, uh, yeah it was the first time you told me that it was after like three games in of uh, football in like extreme heat and i was dying and you're like no you're supposed to put the ice pack on like these specific points and i was like what yeah and i don't know the science behind it i just know my our coaches told us that and, <laughs> but it totally works yeah, so totally yeah, definitely totally. science-based guys it's all science <laughs> all right so we have four questions today so we're gonna um start getting into them right away so this one is from Suze. wait it's like Suze sow sprouse yeah <laughs> <laughs> Suze sprouse. um and she said hello and good morning from germany um i do have a lot of problems with my Biceps femoris, which is a hamstring muscle. She said, for about three months now, I know I need to concentrate on my glutes when I train because they don't work by themselves. So when I start to train, especially when I do deadlifts, either single leg, Romanian deadlift, or normal with both legs, it hurts on a scale of maybe seven to eight. Do you have any ideas for how to mobilize the biceps femoris to get uh, my pain less? And she is a physical therapist, and she just said her and her colleagues aren't really sure where to go from here. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're gonna go through a couple things here. So she said she um, she needs to concentrate on working her glutes because when um, they don't they don't just trigger by themselves. So most likely because of this fact and because she's a PT, I'm assuming she's doing plenty of bridging exercises, plenty of clamshells, like the traditional glute activation drills. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to be that they're not kicking on as well as they could be when going into more of a compound movement like a Romanian deadlift. And so something that commonly happens, especially the more flexible you are, a lot of people will tend to 
do more of a stiff-legged deadlift rather than a true Romanian deadlift where your knees are bent about 20 degrees. And so they'll combine a straight-legged deadlift with also a very slight forward weight shift. So try this out. Whoever's listening, just stand up for me. And stand unless you're in, driving. <laughs> unless you're driving. Um, stand up for me and basically just be in as like tall and lengthy posture as possible. And from there, what I want you to do is move your entire body as one unit and slightly lean forward. And from there, slightly lean forward even a little bit more. And what you'll find is as the more you lean forward without letting yourself uh, topple forward, your feet will start to contract a bit, your calves will start to contract a bit, your lower back, maybe your hamstrings as well. But basically, if you're in a forward weight shift at all during your Romanian deadlift or really any 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 lift, squatting, whatever it might be, the muscles on the backside of your body will trigger a little bit more than they're intended to be. And so that will help, that will actually decrease glute activity and things like that. So what we wanna see is about a 20 degree knee bend when you're doing your Romanian deadlifts. And we also want your knees slightly pushed off to the sides. And that's gonna help you to sit back a little bit more. If you stiff legged deadlift and, um, and uh, not let your knees come out to the sides, you're more than likely going to have more of a forward weight shift. That's gonna trigger a little bit more calf, a little bit more hamstring activity, and it's going to um, lend itself to less glute activation. And you're gonna think, okay, they feel tight, so I wanna do calf stretches and hamstring stretches and you know lacrosse ball, the bottom of my feet, things like that. But in reality, if you just shift your weight just slightly back, all the right muscles will trigger in the right way and it takes a lot of the um, thinking out of the equation. Yeah, so there's, I, I used to do this like majorly with kettlebell swings. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when we first started, we have some video footage actually of our first kettlebell swings when yeah. we first started training for Strong First and um, when I look back now, I my hamstrings were always shredded after mm -hmm. kettlebell swings and I never felt anything in my glutes and when I look back now, my knees only bent like maybe five degrees and yeah, I was barely bending definitely. and my whole torso was going really far forward and I just wasn't sitting back at all in mm -hmm. my swing. And as soon as I made that correction, at first it felt super weird. It actually felt like I was squatting yeah. because I was so used to this higher hip hinge position. But over time I actually started to feel my glutes helping and my hamstrings just felt like this release, like they weren't so yeah. fired all the time. Um, so I definitely can relate to what she's going through because I definitely, that's kind of how I used to do a lot of my hinging exercises and I've felt with what Jason just described, I felt a huge difference. So hopefully, hopefully it should help. Yeah. And sometimes just saying, Hey, bend your knees, push your knees out a little bit. Um, is it enough? It, you actually need to widen your base of support a little bit. So some people are so, they'll keep their feet perfectly straight and directly underneath their mm -hmm. hips, but sometimes widening out your stance, flaring your feet out slightly and then getting into more of a knee bend, knees out posture can really help out. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a lot more bend than most people would think. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Cool. All right, question number two. This one is from Natalie22. My favorite number, great number. <laughs> um, so she said, Lauren and Jason, all of the squat posts have just given fire to this ongoing question in my mind. <laughs> so this is a burning question. Um, I think I've figured out my foot stance with squats. It's a little wider than my shoulders. Thing is, I never feel a burn in my quads. Is my form wrong or is it my stance or maybe both? This, this is an awesome question actually. Yeah. So here's the thing. So we hear things like, okay, squats will typically work your quads and your glutes and they'll just list out general exercises um, that should trigger during knee flexion and hip flexion, which is basically a squat pattern. Now, the thing that we're looking for with any squat 
is does the person feel comfortable doing them? Do they feel safe? And also, are they in an optimal position to actually lift? Meaning, can they push their feet directly into the floor and feel strong and they can progress in that manner? And for some people, like for me, when I squat, I'm much more quote unquote quad dominant where my knees come forward a little bit more and I'm a little bit more upright with my stance, especially because my ankles are a little bit more uh, flexible. For Lauren, she tends to sit back a little bit more because her ankles are a little bit more restricted and hers becomes more hip dominant. And so while we're both technically squatting, we have slightly different styles and those slightly different styles favor different muscle activity. So I get a lot more quad activation with my squats, whereas Lauren gets a lot more hamstring and glute activity. Both are not right or wrong. It's just the way that we squat. And so for us, if we, if I wanted to get a little bit more hip activation, a little bit more, um, you know, hip dominant exercises, I'll actually use my assistance exercises and do things like Romanian deadlifts, single leg deadlifts, hamstring curls and glute bridges and stuff like that. Whereas for Lauren, she's getting plenty of hip activation from her squats. So her assistance exercises might look more like lunges, step ups, um, single leg squats, things that, uh, target a little bit more quads, emphasize a little bit more quads. And so your squat pattern, if you feel good there, keep at it. And then just for your assistance stuff, if you happen to want to activate quads a little bit more, do some more assistance-based exercises that target quads. Yeah, and when I was, I remember when I was training for my powerlifting meet, you were noticing that like my quads, and so something that was happening was I was like, I was having a hard time. Where was I having a hard time? What part of the squat? I was dumping forward a little bit. Something basically where using my quads more would have been beneficial. Yes. But I couldn't get naturally get into a position like where I could use my quads more. So mm -hmm. instead, what we like in in my squat pattern. So instead, we just worked on a lot of assistance work to strengthen my quads yeah. so that they prevented that sort of like flaw from happening. Whatever technique flaw was happening, I forget I, what it was. I think it was letting letting yourself basically dump forward dump a little, little bit. bit. Yeah. yeah. And, and if I could have just pushed harder. Like with my quads, I would have kept myself a little more upright. Yeah, and this um, is this is where we're like, you know, we get c comments all the time in our Instagram comment section. It's like, oh, if squats are tough, then just squat more instead of applying <laughs> some sort of drill to help out alleviate whatever thing that you're experiencing within the squat. And you know, as soon as we get that, we're like, okay, this we can totally discount this person's opinion because they're just like being a. Uh, uh, close-minded about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what, what ended up helping me was yes, I needed to get a little bit more quad activation to help my squats, but because I wasn't like, if I just tried to modify my squat to look like Jason's, cause I knew he got a lot of quad activation, I'd be trying to fit a square peg into a round hole totally. and I would be, I would actually lose quote unquote strength because I'd be trying to force my body into a position that wasn't as natural for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. So instead what I could do is like Jason said, put a lot of my assistance work into getting, getting my quads bigger. I think we had quadzilla as my goal for <laughs> one of the uh, phases. I was doing a ton of lunges. I was doing a ton of step ups, things where I could actually really use my quads in a more natural way for me. And then that actually translated to a stronger squat. Yeah. And so for anyone trying to, I mean, decipher anything, decipher their squat stance, their deadlift stance, their bench press, shoulder width, um, whatever it might be, the checklist needs to be, first of all, do you feel comfortable in that position? Do you feel safe in that position? Because we as coaches will tell people sometimes to adjust their stance a little bit because for whatever reason, our coach's eyes like, okay, that might be work a little bit better. But we always go back to how did that feel for you? Because if you don't feel comfortable there, then it's not a good position for you. And then secondarily, making sure that that also uh, 
um, that position also feels like you can apply a lot of force into the ground or whatever it might be because you also need to have the ability to progress forward. So safe, comfortable, as well as does it put you in a position to be powerful? Cool. Okay. All right, we got another one regarding squats. Mm. So it's a lot about squats today, squats and deadlifts. Um, this one is from D Powerful. And they said, I'm totally confused about the squat. How is the tilt of the hip? It's the same, is it the same with all movement? Posterior tilt flat back or anterior tilt lordotic back? I always thought it was lordotic, but I can't find in your photos something to help me clarify this. Um, so basically they're asking, um, when you're going, when you're going through a squat, should you have a slight arch in your back? Like should your lower back be slight, like creating a little bit of a C or should it be completely flat or should your hips be tilted under? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, this is a really good question. Um, cause yeah, I mean, this actually depends on the person and your anatomy, but basically what we would have you do is, um, uh, first of all, lay down on your back. So especially if you're in a car, just lay down on your back right now, <laughs> uh, lay down on your back with your knees up, feet down, hands by your side. And from there, what I want you to do is just without changing anything, just arch your lower back, arch your rib cage up towards the ceiling as much as you can. And then from there, slowly push your lower back, push your rib cage all the way down towards the floor. And basically when you're squatting, you want to try to do your best to maintain whatever position your back is in currently. For a lot of people, it's going to be back um, position pretty much flat against the floor. Yeah. Um, however, there is a certain population, maybe 10, 20% or so that are going to have a slightly more quote unquote lordotic posture, meaning their back is going to be slightly extended just in a base resting neutral posture. Like even if their rib cage is down. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so for that person, we'd have a slightly more arch squat as they're coming down. But if your back can get flat in this hook lying position, then more than likely you can achieve that during the squat position and it'll be good for you. Yeah. Um, and honestly, sometimes the, the, like, it's just a sh structural thing based on like how big your butt is. That's true. Like, yeah. It sometimes could literally that could just be, be it, yeah. that, that you like can't really get out of that a little bit of lordosis because you have a bigger backside yeah. <laughs> and that's totally fine. And um, yeah. yeah. So this is uh, this is why you see just a lot of conflicting advice, whether it's keeping it flat or keeping it neutral or keeping it slightly lordotic. Um, we just kind of define it as loosely as neutral and it's neutral depending on the person. Right. So some people are flat, some people are more extended, some people are um, slightly tucked, but um, basically we just try to find where that person is comfortable at um, and work within those uh, that range. Yeah, and then what we think about is throughout the squat, we want to maintain that neutral posture in all the different aspects of the squat. Yeah. So what we don't want to see is you're in this good neutral posture at the top and then when you go to start squatting you stick your butt out and create a bigger arch and then as yes. you squat down your arch continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger then you're actually moving your spine under load which mm -hmm. is we, we don't really like to see um so instead we want you to set your position at the top squeeze your glutes at the top like get yourself we we usually actually recommend a slight posterior tilt at the top just mm -hmm. to create a little bit of extra glute tension at the top but then from there get yourself into your neutral position like almost relax your glutes a tiny bit to get yourself neutral and then as you sit back and down into the squat maintain that neutral position the entire way down yeah um, and the entire way up so a lot of people will say like arch to get back up to try to like keep you from dumping forward there's certain cues that you might hear, like I, I definitely used to hear, we both used to hear like arch hard for squats. Mm -hmm. And for someone who tends to dump forward in their squat, 
that could be a decent cue for them because arch hard might get them neutral. Yeah. But if you just say arch hard as a general guideline for squats, someone like me who can easily go into like a, a big arch if I want to yeah. and like doesn't necessarily have the issue that somebody else who's tight might have. Yeah. That's going to be a terrible cue and it's going to make me over arch and it's going to make me lose all of my tension in my core. Yeah. So. Yeah. I like, yeah, I remember that cue very well um, back when I was like first early into powerlifting and I would arch my um, lower back as hard as possible. And I was getting to a point where I was like, I feel like my back is going to snap in half at yeah. any moment. I just felt so like unsafe and uncomfortable going back to uh, my previous statement. But I mean, this is what all strong powerlifters do. So like I just kept doing it and like I would. I got to a certain point where I was lifting a lot of weight, but I just kind of like, luckily actually we had gone to um, some sort of seminar that like told us how to like be in a more neutral posture. And I was like, oh, this feels a lot better. <laughs> this feels better. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah. So, so when you, that's, that's why a lot of confusion is there because certain cues, we've talked about this before, like misplaced information and certain cues are great for certain populations, but actually harmful for other populations. And you have mm -hmm. to be really careful about, like why you're why you're listening to a certain cue is it because you just heard that generally this is what people should do or is it because you have a specific issue that you've heard can be corrected right. with this recommendation yeah um but for the most part may, try to maintain that neutral position throughout the squat as you're moving down and as you're moving up and that's going to keep you in the strongest most stable position throughout your squat yeah awesome great all right and then we've got one more question this one is from Etantra89. And they said, Hi, Jason and Lauren. I've got a question regarding fitness. Is it normal to lose strength while cutting? Um, so basically like while cut, cutting calories. Actually, I've experienced a weight plateau for so long. I felt the more weight I lost, the more strength I lost too with compound lifts. I do set macros and count calories. Slight deficit, about one kilogram per month. I've listened to your podcast about weight plateau and tried applying, yet I still still have made no progress so far. I work out for four days a week and follow upper and lower program. Any advice? Okay, so they're they're on some sort of cutting plan um, and they're tracking their macros and they've been weight training for a while, but now they've not only hit a weight loss plateau, but they've also hit a strength plateau as well, right? Yeah, so I mean, one, there's a couple of different routes you could go mm -hmm. here. Um, one thing that I guess I would say stood out to me um, initially is if you are still trying to lose weight and increase strength, um, which like basically they're asking, is it, is it normal to lose weight while cutting? I would, I mean, to lose strength while cutting, I would say yes. Yes. Definitely. Um, so don't worry about that. Like if that's happening, I would say yes, that's absolutely normal. And even it's not even just losing strength. It can, it's just a matter of like losing overall mass in your body that makes it harder to lift as much weight as you were lifting before. Yeah. So that's why there are weight classes in powerlifting and there are weight classes in Olympic lifting because mm -hmm. a heavier person will have an easier time lifting more weight than a lighter person. So keep that in mind that that is a normal thing that's happening. Yep. But if both are plateauing, then we have to take a look at like, okay, how can we, but you still want one or the other to, to continue to yep. either go down or increase. How can we look at that? So, um, one thing I kind of thought about was trying to actually think about the timing of your meals. Um, I don't know if they're doing this, but basically it's, you can be in a overall caloric deficit, but have the biggest meal, your biggest meals be timed around your workouts. That way, when you get to your workout, you're not feeling depleted. You're not feeling like 
low energy. You mm-hmm. should maybe have your biggest meal an hour before and your second biggest meal an hour after. Yeah. That way, the rest of the day, you can work on that um, caloric deficit a little more. Maybe you have a really small breakfast or a, a smaller dinner if you work out in the middle of the day, something like that. But have have enough calories in your system going into the workout that you don't feel like your energy is depleted. Um, being being smaller framed is one thing, but having less energy is definitely definitely going to impact your your actual overall strength. Yeah, I know some people like would like to cycle their carbs a little bit, right? So they have a little bit more carb carbohydrates during their training days, whereas non training days they'll take a little bit of a step back. So you can kind of cycle it that way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, nutrient timing would be a you know an important variable to consider. Yeah, normally it's not something that we recommend right away because it's not usually the the biggest limiting factor, um, but it sounds like this person has been kind of following something that's been working for them for a while and now are just stuck. So this is now one of those things where you can say, all right, if you've already been working on food choices and portion control and all mm-hmm. these things, then nutrient timing timing might be actually a place to go explore. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I mean, it's been 71 episodes. I think maybe we've talked about macros once or twice. Um, it's because it's such a down the line thing, right? So we always talk about overall mindset, always talk about health over fitness, always talk about um, it's going to be a long-term process. And then there's some tangible things that you can think about after the fact, but it always goes back to those big rocks first. Yeah. Um, and actually going back kind of to that, um, it could be that right now, like you've just gone through a mental period for a while now of trying to think about cu- thinking about cutting and trying to also gain strength. And it's just kind of been like a, I think kind of like metaphorically speaking, burn the candle, I guess, at both ends kind of thing. And it could be good just to have just a mental and physical reset of going through a period of a month or two or even three months, just eight to 12 weeks, going through a period of just focusing on gaining your strength back and not focusing so much on cutting. And hopefully you can translate that to increase strength, increase muscle mass, and also just increase just mental momentum to then carry over into your next stage of cutting. It's really important not to try to cut just throughout all our, throughout just, you know, in in perpetuity? Perpetually? No, it's perpetuity. Perpetuity. It's just, it's just, it's it's just exhausting basically to constantly think about cutting. So um, uh, people will generally go through periods of bulking, periods of cutting and periods of maintaining, whereas the general public seems to be gravitating towards only cutting yeah. throughout the entire year and that's just draining and exhausting it just helps to think about air, times where you can push a little bit and times where you can make just maintain and feel good about that but i think focusing on a period of just either maintaining or even just building will be just the mental relief for you and you'll be able to attack the next cutting phase which with a lot more just mental vigor yeah i think that's a really good point and also like i've i've seen people post like i'm focusing on um, strength, just, just focusing, focusing on strength and like putting on muscle right now. But in the back of my head, I'm still having these doubts of like, I should be losing weight. Yeah. Like, right. There's still going to be those doubts in your mind of like, should I really be doing this? Is this going to set me back in terms of weight loss and mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things? And I would say, no, I would say that taking that mental break is going to be more important and actually more beneficial. Even if you do gain a couple pounds or even if you do like not stop weighing yourself and just like focus on getting stronger 
I think that then when you go back into the next cut, like Jason was talking about, you're just going to have more energy to do it. You're going to feel more empowered to do it, more motivated to do it. Um, than if you're just in this constant state of feeling deprived. And so, yes, there are going to be moments where you doubt yourself. If you're going to go do this, you're going to be like, is this right? <laughs> should I be doing this? I'm always, everyone's, I mean, everything in your life is probably telling you, you should be smaller. You should be focusing on trying to be thin. You should be yeah. focusing on losing weight. You can let that, try to let that stuff go and try to allow yourself this time to just say like, this isn't going to be my focus right now. Yeah. I'm actually going to focus on strength. I'm going to stop weighing myself. I'm going to stop worrying about it right now. And then starting in January or like whenever you want to start, then I'm going to go back to, to trying to focus on cutting, going back to weight loss and, and I'll feel refreshed and re reinvigorated. Yeah. And again, this again goes all the way back to getting those big rocks in place first. Like if you're prioritizing your health over fitness, that means you're prioritizing also just like your mental health, just yeah. like mental well-being over your fitness gains. And also, if we think about it in terms of long-term instead of short-term, you can be like, okay, you know, short-term, I've gained a couple of pounds and maybe like my body comp isn't exactly where it's at, but long-term, I know this is going to be a, just a good path for me. So again, if you have those big rocks in place, then mentally you can just be like, it's almost like a sigh of relief. Like, oh, I've got this because it's part of a greater plan instead of freaking out if the scale happened to jump up a pound or two. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, <laughs> you to say? Like, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's all I got. All right. So those are all the answers we have to, for you today to your burning questions. And we really appreciate you sending those in. If you have any more questions for us, you can send them to us at Achieve Fitness Boston on Instagram. Send us a DM there. If you wouldn't mind leaving us an iTunes review, we would be super, super grateful. And until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.